You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Kraken fans, and welcome to episode number 10 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your host, Tyler Bell, located in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, I am joined by fellow co-host of the podcast, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, man? Oh, not too bad, Belzy. How you doing? I'm doing not too bad myself. And yeah, I'm going to throw you that little uh, co-host title going forward because I think you've graduated out of just being a guest on this show. Uh, you've been on it about five or six times in a row now. You're up to co-host. How does that feel? It feels good. It feels good. You know, I had to work hard to get here, put my nose to the grindstone, but uh, we're going to keep working hard going forward. That's right. We are going to do that. And we're going to work hard giving you all the updates on the Seattle Kraken, of course. And man, they won a pretty awesome hockey game last night, didn't they? Oh, for sure. You love to see that after, you know, dropping six in a row there. Nice to come out with a dub before talking on the pod. Oh, yeah. No kidding, right? Like uh, the crowd was absolutely nuts last night. Crazy performances from a few of the players for sure. Um, but all around, it was just exciting to be able to see a win. Uh, it's been a little while, so yeah, that was awesome to see that. But before we get into that win and take a deep dive into that, we're going to throw it back to a couple losses they had earlier this week. Uh, the first one starting off with the loss against Chicago in that 4-2 loss. We're going to kind of throw it over there, break down that game, break down the loss against Colorado. Then... We'll jump back into the exciting stuff on the win against Washington. So, yeah, game against Chicago on November 17th. Grubauer got his 13th start of the season in that game. And then we also see Hayden Flurry back in the lineup. He was in place of Carson Soucy, and he got a shot on the top pair with Giordano that game. So, uh, good to see him back in the lineup. I know he was away for a few games he had a pretty rough game against Arizona, and I didn't think he got back in the lineup since. But he gets another crack here against Chicago. Um, and then Chicago, they came into this game with a 4-9-2 and record uh, and just one point ahead on Seattle. But they're also coming in with a three-game win streak as well, weren't they? 
Yeah, they were definitely riding that new coach high. Yeah, because ever since Colleton got fired, it's been, uh, well, 3-0 and heading into this game. And, of course, you know, they went away with the win of, in this game as well. So that new head coach. Spoiler alert. Term, yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, chances are you already watched it. You already seen the game. But it's important to kind of talk about it and see what went wrong and just go over that game a bit. But, yeah, kudos to that uh, interim head coach. Do you know his name? I, I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah. Uh, me too. Not off the top of my head. Yeah, it's a tough one because I'm not sure. They, I mean, they let go of a couple assistant coaches as well and stuff. So, um, you know, they've been a hot team ever since Colleton got canned. So credit to them. And yeah, just heading into this game, it was a bit of a sloppy start in this one. Uh, the Kraken finally get a shot on net just over six minutes into the first. But it was just a lot of unnecessary turnovers early on in this game. Derek King. Derek King. Derek King's the interim. So shout out to him. 4-0 start. I'm not sure what they've currently done, but I mean, that's impressive. So yeah, it was a slow start in this one. And then Chicago's big gun, big guns kind of team up for a, a pretty beautiful tic-tac-toe play from uh, from Kane to DeBrincat to Jones. And just like that, the Blackhawks open the scoring in this game 15 minutes into the first. Yeah, Jones looking like his uh, Columbus days there, just driving the back post all offense, bringing it. Yeah, 100%. That's the Jones that they've definitely, you know, expected to have uh, when they made that big trade for him in the offseason. And and that essentially was it for the first period. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, shots were 8-3 to three in favor of Chicago. And if I'm being honest, I'm pretty sure – the Kraken had more turnovers than they did shots in that period. So it, it was definitely not a great period from, uh, from the Kraken, but way she goes as of late with these first periods, right? Yeah. I mean, we talk about getting off to a hot start and they happen to do that against Arizona and still manage to lose the game. So I'm at a loss. Maybe yeah. this will work. <laughs> yeah. Bold strategy, right? Bold strategy. But Again, right off the second period, it, it's another rough start. And, you know, DeBrincat takes a lead pass from Kirby Doc, and he's just got way too much room down the middle. And he's able to just go in all alone and pop one over the shoulder of Grubauer. And that would be the Blackhawks' second goal of the game. And, you know, just like that, we're down to nothing. And you know, that almost seemed like a big wake up call for this, a wake up call for this team because uh, once they were down, Two nothing. It seemed like uh, that really uh, switched the gears for this Kraken team, and they started to play some hockey in this game. Yeah, you get a sick little play from Gordon Schwartz behind the net, but Flower throws his body across the crease and takes away what I thought was a sure goal from Schwartz there. Yeah, that was that was an unbelievable save, and you could almost say the Flower was spreading his pedals in this second period, and. You know, credit to him. He's been a fantastic goaltender in this league for quite a while. And what a nasty setup he has this year uh, for his goalie gear, eh? Oh, like, that looks disgusting. It is. I love it. The throwback look, you know, the old school look. I'm really digging it. Um, awesome setup for him to have this year. And it goes really well with the Blackhawks jerseys, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But like, Seattle was definitely the better team in the second period, despite 
not scoring any goals and giving up the only goal in the period. It just seemed like they couldn't get any puck luck and get any past flurry in that period. And, you know, you could tell by the shots, they were 15 to six for the Kraken in that period. And they're playing at much better hockey than they were in that first. And then, yeah, you're going into the third period and a little little stat line here for the Kraken doesn't look too, too good because they're 0-6-0 when trailing after two periods. Um, so not, not a good luck for them, is it? No, that's definitely not a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we end up like seeing some action on the PK, but it's not ex- not what you would expect to see because it's Yanni Gord who's mixing it up with fellow Chicago player uh, Alex DeBrincat, and the two of these guys drop the gloves, they drop the mitts, and it's a fun little tilt between these two undersized players, right? Yeah, it's something you don't see too, too much is your skilled undersized guys chucking them around. Yeah, it doesn't happen too too often, but uh, you know that's all part of the game of hockey. You you get some tensions boiling over, and you know all all it takes is a split second reaction, and you got two guys like that uh, dropping the gloves. I wouldn't expect it so much from DeBrincat for sure. That's not his game. That's not what he does. I wouldn't be surprised if that's like maybe the first second fight of his career. I maybe expected a little bit more from Gord though. He's he he loves to mix it up like that and and get involved. So uh, bit of a shift you know, disturber. He, he is right, certified shift disturber through and through. You could tell he loves those interactions because the whole time he's just has the biggest grin on his face. So love to see it. And then yeah, we would we would kind of see uh the Blackhawks take a penalty too on the play, and then that would lead to you know a short little four on four and then a small power play chance for the Kraken. But only moments after it expires, it's Chicago striking for the third time when uh Patty Kane finds some space over Grubauer's left shoulder. He makes no mistake and bears a goal top shelf, sitting three-nothing Chicago now. Yeah, and that hole just gets a little bit deeper, which is the exact opposite of what you're looking for. You know, you're looking to climb your way out in the third period and try and go one six and oh after this game. But unfortunately, not what it's looking like it's gonna happen. No. And like Seattle would earn a power play with, with seven minutes left when uh Doc chopped Gord's stick in half. Uh but it's not a big confidence booster when you see some of these cracking stats at home. Uh, you know, heading into this one, they were one for 23 at home on the power play, which is pretty ugly, not going to lie. But, you know, against all odds, it's McCann finding the back of the net with his sixth of the season on the power play. And, you know, the Kraken were just throwing everything on net and they finally found a way to bury one here. That's what a good power play should do is you should get as many shots as you can in two minutes. Tire out the penalty killers and exhaust the goaltender. Tired players make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. They have a they have a tough time trying to clear that puck too. And yeah, I mean, the more times you could throw a puck towards the net, the better. Doesn't have to be the hardest shot. You you just got to get it to the net. Um, bounces happen in this game. Bodies in front of the net, screen goalies. Uh, anything could happen, and uh, that's kind of what happened there. And they're able to kind of break the shutout streak here for Flurry, and then. 
yeah, you're kind of down to that five minutes left in the game in this one. And you're already wondering, you know, that's prime goalie pulling time for, for coach hack. So, uh, he does wait it out though. He does wait till about the three and a half minute mark left. And Seattle was just peppering flurry with shot after shot. And, you know, Seattle kind of gets set up in the zone. You got Yanni Gord on his off wing and he rips a one-time bomb top shelf. And now you have a one goal game with a minute 48 left. And it now all of a sudden has become a hockey game. Yeah, it suddenly takes a turn and become a very interesting last few minutes instead of being a dull watch for the Seattle fans. Now we're going for something, you know? But yeah, now the fans are hyped up. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, no worries. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the entertainment's going to come to an end because Chicago finds a way to bury that empty netter. The Kraken lose number five in a row now. Yeah, this was their fifth loss in a row. And at least they, you know, were able to make a game of it. But... Again, it's those, it's the start to the game that that's really been uh, hurting this team quite a bit as of late. And I mean, they had a great third period. They had a great second period. Shots were 14 to five in that third period for the Kraken alone. And overall in the game, 33 to 19. So there could be the argument made that um, for a majority of this game, they were probably the better team. But you know, it, it doesn't mean much if this team doesn't put together a 60-minute effort. Um, once we start to see that, definitely more Ws are going to be back on the board, but uh, consistency is definitely hurting this team badly. Yeah, you know, said it at best after the game. We're just shooting ourselves in the foot. That's the way it is. Yeah, they definitely have been shooting themselves in the foot as of late. And going into that game against Colorado... I mean, one of the top teams in the league. They, they've they got off to a pretty slow start this year, but as of late, they have been uh, a much better team and looking like the Colorado team that uh, most fans would have expected to see uh, right from the get-go. So, it, you know, you're heading into this game. You've lost five in a row. Um, they give Drager the start in this game, which is just his second of the season. So... Honestly, like I was kind of hoping to see Grubauer play in this game and hope that Drieger got the game against uh, Chicago. But, you know, I'm not the one making those decisions. Um, but I just thought it would have been great to see Grubauer facing his old team. But they go with Drieger in this game. Uh, and then, you know, only after one game, Carson Soucy's back in the lineup in place of Flurry, uh, you know, coming off that loss. So not completely shocking. And like we said, Colorado's been hot. They're coming in. They've won three in a row. Um, and then, yeah, coming into this one, Colorado had six power play goals in their last three games. The Kraken coming into this game had six all year. Yikes. That's crazy. Yeah, yikes. Um, definitely not a good look for the Kraken, of course. Uh, that's something that... Uh, hopefully uh, starts to turn around here and it's all about trying to come out of this game and have a solid first period. That's all I was hoping for. Just come out of this game and have a solid first per first period. Unfortunately, the Kraken once again, stumble out of the gate in the first period, giving up goals on the power play and the PK to find them, find themselves down to nothing early, just like last game for Chicago. 
Yeah, talk about a tough way to lose the special teams battle. Yeah, it, it's it was a brutal start in this one. A tough look for Schwartz on that first goal too. Uh, you know, he's trying to kill the penalty. He he tries to break up the play with a stick, and he ends up sweeping his stick at the puck, knocks it all the way out out across to I believe it was Burakovsky who buried that first goal. Um, so a tough look there, kind of unlucky play, but uh, yeah, just a bad look all around, and then between missing assignments on that PK in front of the net. And then you look at their power play, you see two players collide and run into each other. And then that leads to the turnover and Valerie Nachushkin is going the other way. And just like that two nothing off that play as well. So, you know, these are all signs of a team who is down on their confidence and being on a five game losing streak it's hard to feel like your game is trending in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough to build confidence when you keep starting games down to nothing. Yeah, it's 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 just a tough hole, and especially against elite teams like Colorado, it absolutely kills your chances to beat those teams. Like, yeah, to battle back and outscore, you know, you have to get a minimum of three goals now and not give up any. Um. <laughs> And that's definitely what didn't happen because this game just spiraled out of control from this point on. It was just three minutes into the second. Kraken lose a draw. Makar snaps one through traffic. 3 nothing Colorado. A couple minutes later, Kraken lose a draw on the PK. Boom. Back of the net. 4 nothing Colorado. And that was Deja the end boom. of the night for Drager. Yeah, like the poor guy didn't even make it halfway through the game in this one and and that that's just an ugly ugly start and and we're pretty much midway through this game actually not even midway through Grubauer wasn't even put into this game midway through the hockey game it was less than that and and then he gets thrown into this mess and you kind of have to feel for for the guy when you're getting thrown into a game for nothing and just getting beaten on like this yeah, especially when you just had the tough loss against Chicago the other night. You want to come in. You want the night off. You're hoping you see Dreger come in, have a strong game. Even if it's Colorado, maybe you lose 3-2, 4-2. You'd be all right with that. But they get blown out like that right out of the gate. That stings. Definitely does sting. And even though Grubauer went into the net in this one, um, you know, it didn't take too long. It was about eight minutes into his shift. And Makar is, you know, bursting down the right the right side of the ice there he gets a great opportunity throws it on net picks up his own rebound five nothing you know and this still wasn't even the end of goals for colorado in the second period it was another bad turnover another sloppy play in the Kraken zone and it leads to colorado's sixth goal in the hockey game so yeah it was just a complete beat down by the abs and an embarrassing effort for seattle yeah, I mean, when it gets to seven nothing, when you get a touchdown against you, that's fucking brutal. Like, that's bad. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, and you know, at least Seattle was able to break the shutout bid. They actually scored a couple of power play goals. So, uh, if there's a silver lining to this game, that's definitely it. You see Everly and Turbo find in the back of the net, and 
On the play, Eberle actually extends his point streak to seven games, which matches his career high. And it was also his 250th career goal. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, nice to see those accomplishments done in a Kraken sweater. Yeah, 100%. It's it's pretty cool. And the fact that it's, you know, tying his longest point streak ever in his career, that's that's pretty impressive. He could, you know, it only speaks volumes of how much of a heater this guy has been on as of late. Exactly what you hope you were getting when you got him. Mm-hmm. And I'll give Colin Blackwell a shout out too. He gets his first as a Kraken before the buzzer. Um, I've really liked the way he's looked so far in these last few games he's played. So, you know, he's a guy, I know we talked about him before on the pod, but a guy who was on a 20 goal pace with the Rangers last year. And, you know, he gets his first as a Kraken. So let's hope he can ride some of some of that momentum going forward. And, uh, you get a good quote too, from captain geo after this game, (laughs) Uh, explains this game to a T quote it went it went from bad to really bad in a hurry so honestly couldn't agree more with you there geo it was an ugly game to watch all the way through and you know one you just have to throw in the garbage and move on right yeah just don't even think about it get on to the next one hopefully get a dub in or against washington yeah, and that's what we were able to see. So it was, it was a it was an awesome game. Uh, we seen Grubauer go right back into the net on, uh, and it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night too for the Kraken too. So so a big night, you know, very emotional night for a lot of people out there. Um, so the fact that they came in here and gave the effort they did, um, fantastic, and you know it just was a huge sigh of relief. Uh, to see them break that six game losing streak and get a huge W against a, a pretty tough Washington team. Yeah. I mean, the Metro's no joke and they're right in the thick of it. So anytime you can have a strong game against one of those teams probably shows you're trending in the right direction or at least yeah. you stop the bleeding from the last six. Yeah, exactly. So start, you know, start a new streak of our own, hopefully. Uh, just some pregame notes too. We we seen uh, former Kraken legend in the opposing net, Vitek Vanacek. So obviously, you know, huge legend uh, in the the Seattle Kraken field, right? <laughs> oh, just brings a tear to my eye seeing him play for any team but Seattle. Yeah, it was awesome to see the the Kraken account too on Twitter. Uh, you know, tweeting out some fun stuff like that too about. Uh, you know, former legend of, of Seattle playing in this game again, you know, all, but all seven days of him being on the squad. So, so we seen that. And then, you know, it's worth mentioning too, the Capitals were pretty banged up heading into this game. They were missing some big guys up front, including TJ Oshie, who's I think day to day right now, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, who's a long-term injured right now. Um, Lars Eller was out, Anthony Mantha was out, Connor Sheary was out. So they were definitely missing some bodies. But they had a they have a very strong away record uh this year coming into this one with a 6-1 and 2 road record. So uh kudos to them for, you know, being that good on the road. That's a tough task in the NHL. Yeah, there's a lot of travel involved and, you know, late nights and planes and buses in some places. Anytime you can have a solid road record, that's pretty respectable. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, although they came out with a win in this one, um, this game would start off with an absolute terrible turnover from Jeremy Lazon behind his own net. You know, he, he can't control the pass. Uh, the puck's kind of stuck in his feet there. He's having troubles finding it. Who's nets off, just jumps right on him, steals it, throws it out front to Wilson, who's streaking in, and he buries it past Grubauer. Yeah, I mean, you got to put up a better fight there if you're Lozon. If you know you're fumbling with the puck there, you got to just brace for the incoming Kuznetsov and just reverse hit him. Yeah, reverse Protect hit him. the puck. Make some contact. Do something that doesn't just allow him to pick it up and make an easy play like that to Wilson. And you can't blame Grubauer on that one. Like, that's just all Lozon right there. That's That's just a brutal giveaway. And then, you know... Yeah, we won this game, but this is the 12th game this year out of 18 where Seattle surrendered the first goal of the hockey game. And going forward, that's something that definitely needs to change because that's too many times that you're fighting from behind uh, that many times at the start of a hockey game. Yeah, I feel like it's something we've had to talk about all year, how you don't want to be chasing the game, and it seems like we always are. Yeah, and... You know, before they were they were able to, like, you know, I don't even know. Like, it, it, it's just wild sometimes watching this team. Like, the, the good thing about in this game is they didn't let that goal snowball into more breakdowns. And for the rest of the period, uh, like, it was good back and forth hockey with chances both ways, which was definitely more encouraging than the last few first periods of play that they had. And, um, you know, former Kraken legend Vanacek was acting like a brick wall early in this one. But uh, with about 528 left in the first, Kuznetsov takes a holding penalty 200 feet from his own net. You can't do that. And the Kraken would get the first crack on the power play in this game. Yeah, anytime you take a penalty 200 feet from your own net, you are probably getting reamed out by your coach when you get back. Yeah, it's the absolute worst place to take a penalty, no doubt. Not timing, but worst place on the ice. That's the no penalty zone take when you're that far away from your net. And uh, yeah, the power play has actually been not too bad for the crack. And of course, we talked about, you know, the last game there against Colorado. Uh, They're able to bury a couple power play goals. And it has been hot as of late. Four for the last nine, so looking pretty good. And this power play is going to stay hot because McCann backhands one from the slot after a nice bumper pass from Jaden Schwartz, and it's a 1-1 hockey game. Wow. You mean it's so nice to be able to say, hey, the power play is hot right now and not be full of shit either. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely way better. A nice change of scenery. And, you know, don't look now, but that's the fourth straight game with a power play goal from this team. And McCann with his fourth power play goal as well. That leads this Kraken team. Uh, so I've noticed his ice has been dropping uh, in the last few games, but, you know, they better not be taking this guy off the power play at all. Uh, McCann's still one of the best offensive guys on this team so far. And, you know, he's proven that with, you know, leading the team in power play goals. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it pretty early in the season there where he had clearly established himself as the threat on the power play from the left side that where he comes up high and then curls back in, collects the puck in a rush and shoots with velocity on it. So yeah, he, he better be staying there. Not, he better be, and he's got one of the best shots on this team, so I don't see why you wouldn't have him there. So like shortly after that, Lazan makes his way to the sin bin. He takes an interference penalty. But the Kraken do a really good job of killing it off. They stay pretty aggressive the whole time. And they're actually the ones who get probably the best scoring chance out of that. Um, almost scoring a shorthanded goal themselves. Something that this team hasn't done yet uh, so far this year and in their franchise. So we're yet to see a shorthanded goal. But um, if they stay aggressive like that, um, sooner or later, I think Turbo Tanev is going to pop a shorty in. That's funny. That's who I was just going to say, too. I'm like, ah, Turbo will get one eventually. Yeah, and uh, he's come close to a few times in the season. I remember uh, early on, too, the first couple games, he had some shorthanded breakaways and just some pucks uh, fumbling off his stick and whatnot. Um, he's going to get one soon. Got to happen, right? Long season. Plenty of chances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we had that brutal giveaway by Lazan early on, but... It was a pretty good period. That's definitely the type of first period you want to see after we've been hemming them about how bad their first periods have been. Shots favored the crack in 14-11. And yeah, it was a good look. And then, you know, early in the second period, Wenberg gets called for a trip. And I'm like, hell no, nah, man. That was not a trip. If you take a look at that, the guy's basically already falling. It was just a soft, soft call. But um, the good thing is there is no harm, no foul done. The crack and kill it off, uh, which would bring them to two for two on the PK in the game. Anytime you can shut down a power play with Ovechkin on it twice in a row, you're probably off to a good start. Yeah, he's, I mean, in my opinion, he's the most lethal guy on the power play in the league. I mean, I guess McDavid could, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle, their combo is probably right there too, but I don't know. What would you say? I say Ovi is still the most dangerous. Imagine McDavid feeding Ovi. Oh, one day, maybe one day. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, Ovi decides he wants to hit 70 goals once. Just I'm going to Edmonton for a year. That would be so dope. I would love to see that. But yeah, after a nice long, healthy cycle from the fourth line in this game, early in the second, uh, Schwartz jumps on the ice as the extra man on a delayed penalty call. He goes to the net and gets rewarded with a goal of his own. And Seattle's winning a hockey game. The first lead in a game in 12 days. Yeah, 12 days. That's insane, isn't it? That's terrible, but I'm so happy it's over. Yeah, I know. About time. And they weren't even done just yet. Larson goes for a skate. He finds some open ice up the middle and he is the recipient of a beautiful pass from Yanni Gord. And he puts one past his former teammate and it's a two goal lead. Larson's first as a Kraken. And from the wise words of John Forslund, that's hockey, baby. That's hockey, baby. Oh man. It's, it's actually been a long time since I heard John Forslund say that. Um, so that felt good just hearing him uh, say that once again and the crowd was erupting and 
yeah, that those goals came just 43 seconds apart and the barn was rocking, man. The fans, everyone was back in it and it was a while uh, since they've been that pumped up again. And they still weren't done there too. Jaden Schwartz makes a great play uh, to break up a D to D passing play from the caps. And that sends him and Callie Yarncrock on a two on one and Yarncrock rips one upstairs. His first goal is a crack in and it wasn't the only milestone on that play either. Uh, Jaden Schwartz picked up his 400th career point on the play, and it was all because of his great defensive stick uh, in the D zone. Um, so awesome to see that happen. Uh, great for Schwartz, 400th point. That's huge. And then Callie Yarncrock as well. Uh, first goal as a crack, and and you know he's 13 games in and. And this was pretty much his first point as well. So good to see that guy get going, but it's actually pretty shocking to see that stat line as well. Yeah. I mean, that's something where you thought you'd get a bit of your depth scoring. That's someone you thought you'd get a bit of your depth scoring from, but uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately not yet. Hopefully he picks that up and becomes a, a bit of a trade bait piece. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's probably likely going to happen. Um, you know, unless this team goes on a, a, a nice five, six, seven game winning streak gets themselves maybe into contention. But then still, if you do that, you still have to play above 500 hockey and play really good hockey for the rest of the year. So definitely looking more like he's going to be a trade piece. Um, but yeah, popping back into this game. Yeah. Four, four, one crack and lead heading into the third. Yeah. You heard that right. Four, one crack and lead heading into the third. Oh, and, what uh, now? A 4-1 crack and lead heading into the third. Love it. Uh, they had a they had a 23-16 shot advantage. So uh and and you got that healthy lead. So you gotta close this one out. Um, but just over three minutes into the third, it's Ovi who just kind of walks in and he rips one top shelf. It was just just kind of snuck through the glove of Grubauer on on that shot, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's typical of Etchkin, though. He just gets enough power on it where even if you get a piece of it, it's not going to be enough. He's going to blow it right through you, and that's what happened there. Grubauer gets his glove up, gets a piece of it, but it just pops up over him and right on through into the net. Yeah, and what a complete shocker, too. Ovechkin scoring against the Kraken in his first game against the Kraken. Like, who would have seen that coming? Like, Should have made a bet on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Ovi doesn't waste his time uh, scoring against the only other team other than his own team uh, to to get his first against them. So, you know, then we see Yanni Gord crash the net, maybe a little too hard, and he gets a goalie interference call. And that's not what you want to be doing after giving up that goal is giving number eight any more time on the power play in this game. Especially when you get Gord in the box, too. He's one of your big-time killers. Yeah, he is. He's he's one of your best killers. And, you know, that it is part of his game, but uh, a penalty you don't want to take there at all. That's uh, it could have been easily avoided, too. Uh, but he does clip uh, Vanacek, and Vanacek falls down. He goes to the sin bin. But thankfully, Grubauer was on his game because he had to make a few huge saves on that PK. Uh, he made a real nice save on Wilson. And of course, uh, Ovi had a couple chances there and he made some big state, big saves on him as well. 
Yeah, and after a flurry of crazy sequences throughout the third, Lausanne goes to the box for a hold for with just three and a half minutes left in the third. Because why give the fans a nice stress-free end of this game, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, again, not a penalty you want to be given up. And Lausanne, too. Uh, a guy who's went to the box already in this game, had a terrible turnover. Uh, it just seemed like this night didn't get any better for him personally. And it was just a rough game for him throughout this whole game, I thought. So I definitely not going to be shocked uh, to see that he's going to be scratched next game, even though it's it's a, it's a crack and win. And yeah. Right after that, I mean, they're able three, like you said, three and a half minutes left. Um, they take that penalty, but Grubauer stands tall, and guys were diving around, blocking shots. Uh, they're doing anything to keep the puck out of the net. And man, uh, credit to Grubauer there because he had to have made like ten saves in those final four or five minutes of that hockey game, and a lot of huge saves there. And, you know, that led to uh, Tanev getting the puck out, uh, goes for a bit of a skate. He finds Gord, finds the empty netter, crack and win, baby. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's about damn time. And it, it feels so good to see a win again from this team. That was a great hockey game. And what, what were some of the standouts in this game? Well, I mean, like you said just a couple minutes ago, Grubauer, huge bounce back win for him. He was dynamite in the third, especially those last few minutes on the PK there. 22 saves in the third period alone. I mean, that enough is making you go, holy shit, he had us tonight. 37 total on the game. I mean, go off, dude. Yeah, that was uh, just an unbelievable performance by Grubauer. 949 save percentage. And like you said, 22 saves in the third alone. You know, that's sometimes that's all goalies get in a night. So he was absolutely peppered in the third period and stood on his head and was definitely the reason why the Kraken were able to hold on and, and win this hockey game. Yeah, what yeah, about... Yeah, you uh, get him a uh, yarn crock too on the forward there. First two points as a Kraken. Definitely getting a shout that. out for that. Yeah. Definitely shout out to him. Uh, I know we talked about him for a second there earlier, but uh, his first two points is a crack, and that's huge. Hopefully he can keep that going. Like you said, probably going to be trade bait, so we need to see a bit more offense out of him, try to get the highest draft pick possible. Um, I'd be I'd be shocked if he isn't moved uh, by the deadline. But, you know, great to see him uh, produce some offense because – his numbers were trending in the right direction with Nashville as of late. And I think he was coming off his best, um, his best season offensively too with Nashville last season. So bit of a shocker that he's 13 games in and just getting his first two points, first goal of the season. But, you know, hopefully we see more of a, more out of him going forward. You know who else we want to keep it hot going forward? Who? Jaden Schwartz. Man got four points tonight. Yeah, four points. He had the goal. He had three assists. He made plays all over, uh, all over the ice. Uh, he made those nice defensive plays too that led to goals. Uh, he went straight to the net on uh, when he was the extra attacker. And you know, all you kids out there, 
that's what your coach is going to tell you, right? Go to the net and stop in front of the net and you'll get rewarded. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. It was nice too on the yarn crock goal after the big defensive stick play, he drives up the middle of the night, the ice, and he goes straight to the net. Like he pushes the D back, creates that room in the middle for yarn crock to cut into. It's a lot of the little things he's been doing right lately that are resulting in goals for the team. Yeah. And that goes, that goes a long way, right? It's those little things that are going to end up being the biggest differences in, in the hockey game. So kudos to him. Um, shout out to the PK. Uh, excellent game for the PK. Uh, they went four for four. So hundred uh, percent killing off all four penalties. Uh, that's always a huge stat line when you're facing a team like Washington, they're a lethal team on the power play. And when you can uh, four for four OV on the power play, you're doing things right. Yeah. If you can shut him down on the, with the man advantage, you're probably going to win the game against Washington, or at least give yourself a hell of a chance to. Yeah. And of course, a huge shout out to the fans because holy shit, were they ever loud in that building last night. Uh, And let's just hope we carry all that momentum from that game, from that win, from the fans. Bring that energy into next week's game and keep riding the high off this W. Go streaking. Yeah, go streaking, but in the right, in the right direction, right? Which is, you know, what we're hoping to see because, uh, you know, looking ahead to some games we got going forward, um, upcoming matchups next week, we got Carolina on Wednesday. Uh, Then we have a back-to-back versus Tampa and Florida in, you know, in their respective barns. So let's start off by looking at the matchup against Carolina on Wednesday. This is the last game of the homestand. Give me your thoughts on what you expect. Well, Carolina to come out hard, fast, probably pot a couple in the first. No offense, Seattle, but Carolina's just disgusting. What is it about this Carolina team uh, that so far right now gives them the best winning percentage in all the teams? So right now they're first place for winning percentage in the NHL technically the best team in the NHL. What's getting it done for this team? Well, they're strong down the middle. They got good defenders. I mean, as a team as a whole, all five guys on the ice or shorthanded, whatever, but as even strength, they defend extremely well. They keep everything to the outside. There's not a lot of slot chances there. And when there are, they've got good goaltending back there as well. They're kind of a sound team entirely. And then you got Rod the Bod running the bench there. I mean, who wants to let that man down? I bet you all 23 guys on the roster would run through a brick wall for him. Yeah, probably multiple brick walls. Um, That might be one of the things that's most underrated or not talked about is how well this team is coached. And uh, like you said, Rod Brindamore, you know, former player, former cup winner for uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, he is a hell of a coach and he's probably one of the best motivators in the game. Cause this Carolina team just knows how to bring it every single game and they don't have off games. Their, their compete level is always top notch and they're always going to make it tough on you no matter what. I like how you, uh, I like how you mentioned too, their strength up the middle. 
that certainly should not go unnoticed. You got Sebastian Ajo, uh, Vincent Trocek, Jordan Stahl. I mean, Jordan Stahl's running your third-line center position. Uh, that's no joke. And then I believe it's either Stepan or Cockney who who is on their fourth line center position. So, you know, it, it, this team is deep. Um, and you know what? I shouldn't be that surprised, but I thought they would take a bit of a step back because of their goaltending. <laughs> Not happening. Freddie Anderson has been lights out this year, hasn't he? Oh, just add it to the list of Leafs players who leave Toronto and just be just go off. I mean, yeah, it's a I'm lot sure of my dad's isn't it? just keeping up at night thinking about it, <laughs> giving him nightmares. <laughs> yeah, no, I gotta give it, gotta give credit where credit is due. Uh, this Carolina team is definitely once again in Stanley Cup contention. And look for them to continue that trend and be one of the top teams by the end of this season. Uh, Cause you know, they're, they're just going off right now. Um, and a guy like Seth Jarvis too, uh, another young guy that they drafted who uh, has been in the lineup and has been putting up tons of points and is actually getting looks on their first line. So, you know, this team is just deep. It's, it's player after player. Uh, yeah. Jakob Slavin, too, one of the best defenders in the game. Uh, so credit to him. They're just built. They're just built like such a great hockey team. Uh, not the same Carolina team we looked at five years ago where they were boring, right? Oh, absolutely not. It, it's crazy how quick of a, a turnover this team uh, has had. So credit to them, expecting a very good battle. Um they're a they're a blue collar team. They're gonna outwork you, but they bring a lot of skill to this game and they defend really well, like you said. So expecting a good matchup against them. All right. And then after Carolina, we take a look ahead of the schedule. And on Friday, we're gonna be in Tampa Bay. And you know, what else do you have to say? You're facing, you know, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion team. Uh, give me your thoughts on on this team, Durham, and, and what you expect out of this matchup. I mean, what can be said about Tampa that hasn't been said in the last two years? The only thing to be uh, brought up right now is you might be catching them at a bit of a low point, having just lost point out indefinitely. So we might catch them trying to figure out what they're going to be doing there. Maybe catch them in a bit of a transition game there, but uh, hopefully get a couple goals early in the first and hold them off for the next 55 minutes. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you got to expect. Um, Tampa's, they're going to bring it. Yeah, they're dealing with injuries, like you said. Braden points out right now. Um, they obviously lost Kucherov. Shocker, shocker. If I had to guess, he's probably back. Game one of playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but essentially, again, you're facing one of the top teams in the league. They're going to be hurting a bit up front, but they still have tons of firepower to bring them, you know, through and create offense for this team. And former Kraken player Alex Burry Boulay is, uh, you know, listed on the first line for this team right now with Stamkos and Palat. So, yeah, he's been getting some cracks back with his old team. Um, and yeah, they, they still have tons of depth in this lineup, especially up front. You got Sorelli, 
uh, Killarn, guys who could bring it. They got good veteran presence, some big bodies, uh, Patrick Maroon, Corey Perry. And then even looking at their fourth line, you got guys like Ross Colton. Guys got a, you know, a Stanley Cup winning goal under his belt. Uh, Taylor Radish is a, still a good young uh, forward. And same with Boris Kachuk. And then, of course, you look at their back end. One of the best defensemen in the game for a number of years now, Victor Hedman, leading the way on the back end as well. And then, if I mean, the best goalie, top two, top top two goalie in the league, Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, I mean the guys every season at the start of every season. Uh, he probably win the Vesna. Yeah, he's the number one fantasy goalie at the start of every year, it seems. So, which deservingly so, right? Um, what was it? Some crazy stat like he didn't lose back to back games in the last two playoffs combined. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I think that won't that's hurt you. not bad to to have to your resume of play. So, you know, that with along with two cups. Not too bad. So, yeah, you just got to find a way to grind them out and, and outplay them. That's the Kraken style. So that's that's how you're going to beat this team. And like you said, if they can get off to a good start early on, especially in uh, Tampa's barn, then that's going to give you a really good chance. And, you know, t- I don't know for sure. I think Tampa might be playing too on Saturday. So you, you might not even face uh, Vasilevsky. You might get a shot at their backup goalie, uh, Brian Elliott. So... Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but you know, between the game against Carolina, Tampa, and then the next night, you have to face Florida. This is probably, you know, you're in your toughest stretch of games uh, that you're probably going to be in all season long. So very tough, very tough stretch, uh, especially having to place Florida the very next night. Give me your thoughts on that team and what we can expect from that matchup. Um, the exact same thing you had the night before in Tampa, except they're probably healthier. <laughs> Florida is just firing this season. Yeah. And they're at the top of the standings for a reason. Um, I honestly think the two best teams right now are Carolina and Florida. So um, I know but Barkov just went down with injury. So he is out. But I you take a look at their their offensive lineup and the additions they made in the offseason. Like this, this is still one of the deepest teams uh offensively. Like uh, you know, they they picked up Sam Reinhardt too, which I thought was a huge signing. They made sure they brought Sam Bennett back. Uh they got veteran presence and a guy like Joe Thornton. Uh, they didn't really lose anybody. They still have, have Duclair. You know, Jonathan Huberdeau is an absolute stud. Uh, Carter Verhage is still on the same tear he was last year. Frank Vitrano can score goals all the time. Uh, Anton Lundell is a, an elite player that is, well, not NHL elite, but prospect elite who, you know, is just stepping into his own and, you know, this is his first crack uh, in the NHL, but again, he's a he's a heck of a centerman and a heck of a player. Uh, 
you know, you got Patrick Hornquist, who is one of the toughest guys to to play against on a nightly basis, especially if you're a goalie. I don't think goalies like Hornquist too much in this league. It's a bit of a no, pest in front him. of that net. <laughs> and then you got a guy who they picked like 10th overall, Owen Tippett, like who is now coming into his own and starting to score goals. So it's like this team is just ridiculously stacked up front. It's It's wild. Yeah, they've got a lot of depth through their forward ranks of guys who can produce offense. Yeah, tons, tons, tons. You take a look at their back end, one of the best defensive pairings in the league right now uh, between Aaron Ekblad and Mackenzie Weger. Uh, that doesn't hurt your team, certainly. Yeah, you're giving yourself a chance to win every game if they're on fire. I mean, not even on fire, if they're just on their game. Yeah, you, and they have some other guys who produce some good offense from the back end. Brandon Montour, I thought was a great addition too. Uh, Gustav Forsling, a kind of younger player as, as well, who's who's coming into his own and and doing pretty well offensively so far. You got some tougher guys, some some big body guys. You got Gudis back there, who you know is known to play some really good defensive hockey. He he eats pucks, blocks tons of shots. Uh, Kevin Connaughton, another body uh, in there that uh, makes it difficult to play against. And then one of their biggest uh, question marks I thought was going to be their goaltending, but it seems like Sergei Bobrovsky is uh, having quite the bounce back. And um, Spencer Knight has not taken any step back uh, from the few games he played last season and has looked uh, like he belongs Right there with Bobrovsky, you know, he's a backup to him, but I think on a, on a different team, Spencer Knight could already be a starter. Yeah, he seems calm, cool, and collected every time he's in the net there. And you saw it in the playoffs last year when he was thrown in against Tampa Bay, and I think it was game three or game four, and he just took it and ran with it, and he took the rest of the series. And, you know, he looked like he's a guy who's going to have a long career as a starting goalie in this league. Yeah, he no doubt about it. He seems like he's going to be uh, one of the upper echelon goalies for a long time in this league. Like you said, calm, cool, collected, very poised goalie. He's got great size to him. He moves super well for a guy of his size. Um, so Florida is just just going to be a threat for a lot of years to come. You know, they locked up Barkov or tons of years as well like this this team isn't going anywhere anytime soon they're going to be a top team for a while yeah they've certainly set themselves up for set themselves mm -hmm. up for success for the next five to ten years yeah so you know expectations five nothing win for the kraken right uh a hundred percent are you kidding <laughs> they're on fire now they want a game fire we're coming off a win. That means they're going to win four in a row, uh, all against the toughest teams in the league. So, five nothing win. You heard it here first. <laughs> the NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. 
Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN. PN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens. And Durham, I have a question for you. I can't believe I'm even asking you this one, but there's been so much talk on social media, especially Twitter, um, especially when they were the Kraken were losing games. I got to ask you this question because people are starting to come for his head already. Is Coach Hack, is his job in jeopardy? I don't think so. I think it's not fair to a coach to hire him and then not give him a full season. I mean, people were even talking about Colleton after he happened to get sacked in Chicago. They're like, yeah, he was here for three years, but he never had a full year in any of those three. So I don't think it's yeah. fair for Seattle to be like, hey, Dave, thanks for 20 games. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know. I felt just weird asking it because, you know, let's be realistic here. This is an expansion team, and I get like, if you're new to the game, it's easy to take a look at some of his decisions with, uh, you know, pulling the goalie and maybe some lineup decisions with goalies and who you would throw in and how much he's been playing and riding Grubauer and. You you could easily nitpick these things and and question why the heck is he even coaching this team? But like you have to give a new coach twenty to thirty games, right? Just to just to learn their systems with a brand new team, and it would just be a bit of a silly move and a panic move uh, if you were to try to get rid of this head coach in the very first season and. I, I don't expect anything like that to happen, but it was worth bringing up for the conversation because uh, I think a lot of fans need to sit back and just ride the wave on this season and just let things play out a bit. It's especially a tough look for the organization if they were to let Hackstall go this quickly because then a perspective, any prospective coach looking for a job in Seattle looks at that and says, well, what happens when that's me? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad look on a couple different levels. Like you look at it like, you know, if that were to happen, everybody's kind of looking at your organization like, okay, are they admitting that they fucked up that bad that early? Um, and then like to go back to your point, it's it, it would just be a bad look overall. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I still, you got to give this guy at least the season and I don't, I don't even expect anything to happen in the off season. I don't care. Even if this team finished last. I think it depends on who's available. I think it always depends that's on a, who's available unless you're winning. 
that is a good argument, but I, I did think there was really good guys available when they hired him too. So, so that makes it interesting as well, but that, that could definitely play into it. No doubt. Um, okay. We're going to move right along too. Uh, so a new segment called hockey vocabulary. So what's going to happen here is, uh, you know, this is a great segment for anyone who's new to the game of hockey. Uh, what we're going to do is throw some hockey terms over Durham's way and he's going to explain kind of what they mean. Maybe use it in a sentence, however he wants to describe it. We'll leave that up to him. Uh, so are you ready for word number one of five? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Sauce. What does it mean when somebody, a hockey player or any hockey fan, use the term Sauce. Well, they would be describing a saucer pass, which is just a pass that comes up off the ice and comes lands on the other side before getting received. Yeah, exactly. And why do you think it's called sauce? <laughs> Throw you on I don't the know. I'm throwing you on the spot. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that I don't one, know, man. Maybe, maybe. I think it's because they. I don't know. Sauce looks very smooth coming out. And when you throw a sauce if you got to somebody, meat in that sauce. it's usually, well, maybe it's a bit chunky at times, but when you throw somebody sauce, it's usually a, a very smooth execution. That puck's just hovering, you know, over sticks and lands on the ice very smoothly. Um, so, so sauce, good one. Okay, moving on to the next. Uh, lettuce. What, is, oh, lettuce. what does that mean? When, it, when it, You're talking yeah, about long talking hair about here. Lettuce. Like you look Long at not hair. new age Eric Carlson, you look at like six months ago, Eric Carlson, that man had some lettuce flowing. Yeah, yeah. So lettuce is anytime, you know, a hockey player is growing out his hair, growing out his flow, you can call it as well. That guy's got a head of lettuce, you know, so so that's what that means. Head of lettuce. We're not talking salads here. Um, so moving on to the next one. Um an apple. What is an apple in hockey terms? This one's easy because they both start with A. Anytime you talk about a guy gets an apple, you're just saying he got an assist. Yeah, so if the guy picks up an apple, that's assist. First, it could be the first assist, secondary assist, or primary, I should say, primary assist, secondary assist. It doesn't matter. It's still an apple. Um, and the important thing is an apple a day keeps the critics away. That's usually what they helps, say, right? Definitely helps. And you're picking up a point. You're hopefully keeping those critics away, keeping your game uh, on the upside versus you know struggling. So, so an apple is an assist. Okay, so the next term I have for you, the fourth, uh, is pizza. So this can be known as throwing a pizza, tossing a pizza. What and you and typically it's down the middle. So explain what that means when I say I, he just threw a pizza down the middle. Well, generally when that happens is someone from your team just gives a huge turnover right up the middle of the ice, tape to tape with the other team, and they're just all alone going in for it. It's just it's as if he thought he was passing it to his own teammate, but oh, would you look at that? That guy's wearing a different sweater. Yeah, an absolute pizza. So 
you know, a clear turnover right on the other players or the opponent's stick. Uh, that's what throwing a pizza is. And sorry if I'm uh, making anybody hungry with these terms. Sauce, lettuce, apple, pizza. Went with the food theme on this one. So, uh, but for the last word, it isn't food theme. But uh, if if you hear somebody call another player uh, a bender, a bender, what does that mean? You're generally making fun of how they can't skate. You look at them when they go to take strides and their ankles are bending all over the place. It looks like they're going to snap their feet off with every push they take. Exactly. So typically it is a chirp um, used to describe somebody with bad skating. And typically they're a bad skater because their ankles are bending and you know, getting close to touching the ice at, at some time. So <laughs> that's what a bender is. Uh, I think I've been a bender for a lot of my life. So feel free to use that going forward on me. Um, but yeah, great to talk about some terms. So I hope you enjoy just a bit of a breakdown. We'll definitely get into some more uh, in the future as well. And just keep updating you, you listeners on just a few of those words because it's fun and it's knowledgeable and it helps you kind of understand uh, the chirps of hockey. So that pretty much wraps it up though, for uh, today's episode. Um, Thanks for joining again, Durham. Um, Thanks everybody else for joining on episode 10. Make sure to join us next episode as we break down the next three Kraken hockey games, all against those tough division or tough opponents. And we'll definitely be taking another dive into the Pacific Division because a lot is happening in our division and uh, there's lots to talk about. So, yeah, we'll talk to you guys all next week and hope everybody has a great week and we'll talk soon.